Hey, welcome to Kingsway Caringba. We are a community inspired by love to live differently. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. It's so great to have you with us. We pray this teaching will inspire you, build your faith, and lead you to a life of fullness and freedom in Jesus. Enjoy the message. God, we are so grateful today for so many things, for so many reasons. Father, that we can stand together and know that you are with us. We can stand together and sing. We can stand together and actually share with one another the great things you've done in our lives because, God, you are great. And so, Father, as we lean into your Word today, as we lean into your Spirit, Father, may you talk to us. God, for each person who is sitting here this morning, Lord, I ask that you help us all to open our hearts, to open our minds, to open our eyes, to open our ears to your Spirit, so that when we leave, we, can't, we leave different to when we came in. Father, I believe that you have the power to do so. And so, God, I pray over this next bit of time that we spend in your Word together. Have your way, God. We love you. We acknowledge that you're here. Thank you for choosing us. I pray all these things in your amazing name. Amen. Thanks, team. What a blessing it is. Would would everyone mind, am I up here for a reason? Okay. I feel so far away from everybody. (laughs) Hello to everyone this morning. Can I start by just sharing a blessing with you? This is a blessing from Psalms that people for generations have shared with one another as they've entered God's house. Let Let me read this out to you. Let me bless you. This is from Psalm 118 verses 26. It says, Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's you. When you entered today, you have come ready to receive something great from God. A blessing to you. We bless you from the house of the Lord. I'm excited today. I'm excited that I get to share God's word with people over the age of 16. It's really very exciting for me. (laughs) Thanks for that encouragement. I've got a cheer from Elise up the back. That makes me feel really good. My name is Avril. If I haven't met you already, I'm excited to do so soon. I get the privilege of spending time with the young people in our church. And I have to say, I know you don't see them often because of COVID restrictions, but we are a blessed community. We have a vibrant group of young people who love one another and love Jesus. I am excited for what God is doing in individuals' lives. I'm excited for the great things that they are going to grow up and do for Jesus. I'm excited for the wonderful things that they are already doing to bless one another and to bless their schools and to bless their friends and families for Jesus. We had D Crew here. I haven't even got to preach yet, guys. Don't worry. I'll get there in a second. We had D Crew here on Friday afternoon and then followed by youth group. It is a bustling place on a Friday evening. And I'm excited because it hasn't always been the case. 
but God is bringing incredible young people. Dave brought a group of 10 kids in a minibus to D Crew, our junior youth group program on Friday afternoon. These are young people who don't know Jesus, many of them, and they got to hear about him on Friday. And I got to see our awesome junior leaders, Curtis and Jesse D, run a program. They didn't run a program that I'd put together. They run a program that they put together. How amazing is that? There is exciting things happening in the lives of the young people in our church. I can't wait to share more about it with you. It is really very good. Very good. And today we get to celebrate and gather around the Word. Now, the Bible is not just for the adults. God's Word is for every person, every culture, every gender, every age group. He is speaking to His people in His Word. And today, all I want to do is give us all space to reflect and to engage with God's Word in the way that you need to. Because what He wants to say to you is going to be different to what He wants to say to me. That's the beauty of God's Word. And every one of us gets to choose how we see Him and how we engage with Him and how we learn and how we listen. And I'm excited for what God's about to do today. So when I did pray this earlier that we would open our hearts and open our minds, it was deliberate and on purpose. Let me read you a psalm, Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. The psalm is encouraging us that we shouldn't arrive ready to receive only. We should already be excited the minute we step foot in this building. Now that is an encouragement, but I'm going to challenge you this morning. How have you come? If you were really considering and thinking through what it is that you're bringing into church this morning, where your heart is, where your head is, what would you say? Can you get real with yourself for a second? How have you entered today? Because today is going to be about reflecting, about you and Jesus working together, walking closer together, examining what's going on for each of you, see reflection, honest reflection can lead to change. At the very least, it leads to a cognitive change. It leads to a knowledge. But honest reflection can also lead to a change of opinion, change of attitude, a change of behaviour. There is no hiding from God, and that sounds scary, but it's not because our God is a safe God. 
He's ready to receive you no matter how you walked in this morning. So are you ready to reflect with me? Are you ready to journey what God was been up to in, during Palm Sunday? That's our focus today. See, we live in a blessed time. I'm able to pick up my Bible and I'm able to know how it started, what the middle is and what the end is. I'm able to reflect back on the stories and the historical narratives that tell me how Jesus lived on earth. So are you. There's a blessing in that for us. We can look at it. We can look at it in its entirety and learn from what God has done so far in the world. However, God's redemptive plan is still in play and you are still a part of it. But in the story we're going to look at today, we're looking at John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19. In the story today, there's a really interesting verse, and we'll examine it a little more in a little while. But it starts like this. His disciples didn't understand at the time. What a blessing that we can sit here today and understand what's going on in the Scripture better than the disciples were able to in the moment. The disciples didn't understand at the time what they were, what, what they were seeing, what they were experiencing they had, they had Jesus with them. What a, what a wonderful experience and blessing that was. But they didn't know what was coming. Not in its entirety. We do. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That was the experience of the disciples. They didn't understand. See, God's plan was bigger. They were in the moment, and they didn't completely understand until it had passed, until it was done. I don't know how you've arrived at church today. I thank God that he does. I don't know what experiences you're carrying in with you today. I thank God that he does. But I promise you this. God's ways are higher than ours. God's thoughts are higher than ours. We can trust him with the things we've got going on in our lives right now. We might not completely understand it. But there will come a time when we continue, as we continue to press into Jesus, as we continue to follow him with faith, that we will be able to look back and go, thank you, God. It was hard, but you were there. There are many times in the book of John where the writer of John actually stops the narrative, stops the story that they'd been telling, and for us, actually says, we didn't understand at the time, but let me tell you what was actually happening. 
They used their hindsight. They reflected back on what had happened previously and they were able to see that God's ways were higher than theirs, that his thoughts were higher than theirs, that he was up to something that they didn't fully comprehend. But my goodness, they were excited when they did. So excited that they stopped the narrative they were telling in the Word and actually explained it to us. It happens multiple times. In John chapter 2, The writer stops and explains that Jesus is the promised Messiah because a messianic prophecy was fulfilled as he drove out the moneylenders. In John chapter 19, verse 24, the writer of John stops and explains that the soldiers, as the soldiers divided up Jesus' clothes, they were actually fulfilling a prophecy, a messianic prophecy from the Old Testament was being fulfilled in that moment. John chapter 15, verse 25, the writer stops and says, says, hey, we've reflected on this moment. Let me tell you what this was actually going on, what was actually going on at this time. Jesus was hated by people. This is fulfilling a messianic prophecy. John chapter 19, verse 36 and 37, the writer stops and he says, I know, let me tell you what is happening here. They put a spear in Jesus' side and this was fulfilling the messianic prophecy. Every time the writer stops, he's reflecting on what had already happened. In hindsight, let me tell you what has happened. Let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you how you can celebrate and worship today because of what had happened before. And so I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the story of Palm Sunday. And at one point I'm going to stop and I'm going to say his disciples didn't understand at the time but they did in reflection. This story is called The Triumphal Entry. My challenge to you, oh, that was very loud. Hello, everybody. My challenge to you is to read along with me, with me. You can find this story in four different places in the Bible. In every gospel, this story is written. That speaks something. If every gospel is telling the same story, there is no doubt that it happened. So with an open heart, I ask you to listen. And I ask you to reflect. And I ask you to journey this with me. But I want you to think very specifically about two questions. Where is the triumph in this story? And who is triumphant? So if nothing else, I want you to hold on to those questions as you listen. Where is the triumph and who is triumphant? Are you ready to go with me? Open hearts, open minds. Let's do this. 
It was the Passover, a very, very famous, very, very important Jewish celebration. It happened annually. And pilgrims from across the nation would walk to Jerusalem. And upon entry, they would say to each other, Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And at the time, the, the, the Jewish people were oppressed. The Romans were in charge. And surely on such a nationalistic holiday, their irritation at Roman presence would have been heightened. This is their special time. This is their special holiday. They've made the pilgrimage. This is their God. They want to worship him in the way that they know they should. And yet their very, very important city, their very people were under the rule of the Romans. And at the same time, Jesus had been performing miracles, miracles of healing, of provision. He had just raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. His fame was widespread. There were not many people at that time, I'm sure, who hadn't heard his name. They probably had many different opinions about him, but they, had, they would have heard his name. People were excited about him. And as they were frustrated with the Romans, they were seeing this incredible man do incredible things. And in them and in their minds and their hearts, they're thinking this hope. They've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for their rescuer. Perhaps this man is him. They were excited. I'm sure they held different opinions. Perhaps this man would be our ultimate rescuer, the victor who was going to free them from the physical oppression that they had been under. And so news of Jesus' journey into Jerusalem spread throughout the city. He was on his way to Passover. He was heading to Jerusalem just as they had been doing, just as they had done. And people had heard that he was on the way. And so they gathered. The Bible says there was a loud crowd around him, behind him and before him. And they were so excited about this man that they grabbed palm branches and they took the coats off their backs and they put them on the ground so that he could walk over them. Now, palm trees are symbols of triumph and victory. See, palm trees grow in the desert. Against all odds, they are able to flourish. It wasn't an accident that they chose palm trees to lay at his feet. They were excited about the, what could potentially be their freedom. He was coming. And they said this as he was walking, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Not on the one who comes on the name of the Lord. That's how they addressed each other. They said, blessings on the king who comes. And the crowd called out, Hosanna. Oh, Lord, be our saviour. Bring the victory, Lord. That's what Hosanna means. Bring the victory. Be our saviour. See, they were expecting a powerful rescuer. They were expecting a warrior to walk in and fight and defeat the oppressors that they were, face, they were facing at that time. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, they actually commanded Jesus and his disciples to stop making a fuss. There was potentially real concern that there would be Roman retaliation for what was happening. It was a big deal. It was noisy. It was crowded. It was messy. And in comes Jesus riding on a colt. And this is where, this is where the writer of John stops and says, we didn't understand at the time, but let me tell you what this means. This is what it says in John chapter 12, verse 16. It says, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. See, in Zechariah, Old Testament prophet, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it prophesies that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. Why would a king come riding a donkey? A king should enter Jerusalem on a war horse or a wonderful chariot and proclaim that he was the, he was the one who was going to rescue and the warrior king who would save Israel. Colts are not just donkeys either. They are donkeys under the age of four. Jesus came riding in on a baby donkey. A man who was born and placed in an animal's trough comes riding in on the most exciting, the pinnacle, the, most, the loudest, the most celebrated moment of his ministry, riding a baby donkey. See, Jesus didn't come to fight. He came as our sacrifice. With a donkey, he was telling us that it's not about being loud. It's not about being the strongest physically. It is about humility. It is about peace. It is about compassion. And in Luke chapter 19, there is a fantastic moment 
where Jesus stops. The crowd was still noisy. The, the, the excitement was still high. But Jesus stops and he actually weeps. He looks at Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. Not just for himself, but also for the city. And this man who people are crying out to, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king's going to save us, knows that later that week, another crowd would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. We look at this story as a moment of triumph. And I believe it is. But when you start to actually reflect on what was happening, not just for the crowd, but for Jesus himself, my question to you is the same as it was before. Where is the triumph and who is triumphant? See, whether we like it or not, we are a member of a crowd. Reflecting, looking, reading, thinking about who Jesus was, what he did, how he lived, how that might impact me. How will you respond? See, I think that the triumph and the victory found in the story is ours. It didn't turn out for the Israelites the way they had expected it to. They were celebrating as a king entered Jerusalem and he was a king. But he was not about to rescue them from what they wanted rescuing from. And that he was not about to rescue them in the way that they thought he should I'm sure that a week later upon Jesus' crucifixion, the people in the crowds were like, well, that didn't work out the way we thought it was going to. Jesus himself, it was a moment of great heartache. Church, I believe that the triumph is ours. That we can sit here. And see the greater picture of what has happened. And hear the story and read the text and actually engage with it and think about it and go, you know what? It didn't work out so well for them. But I know in a few days' time that Jesus died on a cross and then a few days later he rose from the dead for me. Palm Sunday might not have turned out the way people had hoped. In that moment, while the crowd was certainly excited, they weren't about to think that Jesus was the king that they had hoped for. But church, he's our king. We are the ones who can reflect and look back and be excited and be in love with and learn and relearn and delight in the fact that a saviour king humbly sat on a donkey and entered Jerusalem 
And with each step that he took that week as he walked closer and closer to the cross, he did it for us. See, the crowds were right. They were right to praise Jesus as the king. They just got wrong how he was going to show his kingship. And so my challenge, church, is this. Knowing that we are the beneficiaries of what Jesus did, knowing that that path to Jerusalem was walked for you and me, knowing that at that moment in history the the noise was loud and the passion was high, knowing that that happened and the triumph that was achieved in that moment is ours, completely ours, how much louder should our hearts cry out? And our voices now. How much more reverence should we hold when reflecting on him? How much more excited should we be at the name of Jesus? How much more should we, talk, be, should we be talking about him? And making his fame more well known. How much more of ourselves Our belongings, our lives, should we lay down before him? How much more praise in all its forms should we generously offer to heaven? How much lower should we posture ourselves before him? See, the disciples in the crowd, they had a very limited view of who Jesus was and what he was about to do. Team, we have the whole picture. How much more should we offer him? How much louder should we shout? This is our story. You are a part of the crowd, as am I. What are we saying? What are we cheering? What are we doing? Because the Saviour King came, he lived, he loved. He died. He rose again for us. Don't take for granted the fact that we get to reflect in its entirety the incredible story that is unfolding. We have the whole picture. Enjoy it and praise him louder than the crowds were ever going to do as he entered Jerusalem that day. Because his gift was far greater than they could even have imagined was about to happen. As I, as I wrap up today, I might get the band up if that's all right, team. Church, it's up to you. We can, um, I can stand here and tell a good story and have a good chat with you all. But at the end of the day, you are not 
faceless to Jesus. You are not just one of the crowd to him. He knows who you are. He knows where you're coming from. He knows what you're carrying. He knows what you're hiding. And he did it all for you anyway. Your response is yours. I can't force it. I can't make it for you. I can't open your mouth and and use your vocal cords to sing louder. I can't hold up your arms in praise. I can't force you to give more. I can't force you to share more. I can't. I can't. You. It is your relationship with him. It is your response to him. To this Saviour King who came in humility. Let me read something to you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 17 says this Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one. Our King Jesus entered Jerusalem in peace and humility. Let our hearts be guided by that who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful for it. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. We've got the full picture. Engage with it. Get excited about God's word. And it floods you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Team, it is time we started to sing. It has been a long time coming, but the time has come. I don't really care if you can't sing. (laughs) If you feel a bit self-conscious about it, the time has come to sing. And it goes on and it says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. It started the moment He was born. This is just the next step. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's baby, on a colt. In humility, in love, in love, in peace. He truly was the King. And the triumph, church, is ours. We are the ones who can look back and reflect and say, yes, I get it. They didn't completely understand at the time, but we get it now. And because of that, I'm going to sing louder. I'm going to give more. I'm not going to take for granted my word. I'm not going to take for granted the fact that I'm in a church community who loves Jesus and loves one another. My life, my word, my song, my deed is going to be everything to Him as an offering to Him. If they didn't understand at the time and their, their, their cheers were loud, how much louder should ours be?
Time to Sing Church. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. If you'd like to connect with us, make a financial gift, or find out more about Kingsway Churches, head to kingsway.org.au. Have a good one.